Hello, welcome to today's experience pod, where we focus on emerging technologies, trends, and their impact on business landscape in Nigeria and across Africa. Today, we'll be discussing CUDA, disrupting banking in Africa. As we know, financial services helps companies, businesses, and individuals to achieve their financial goals. Unfortunately, financial services in Africa, particularly, has been plagued by barriers to entry, slow processes, and complex lending requirements, which creates a hurdle for customers. However, with the rise of fintechs, regulators, and incumbent financial institutions are under increasing pressure to respectively adjust regulations and make operations more user-friendly. Fintechs have a very significant um, role to play but they are doing more than that. These startups are thinking digital. They're examining various internal and external processes that makes life difficult for customers and are leveraging technology. For fintechs, the customers comes first. CUDA is a key player to look out for in the African fintech space. Launched in 2019, this exclusively digital new bank has been a trailblazer in helping Africans get the best out of their money and live better lives. To add to this insight and conversation, we're joined by the co-founder of CUDA and, interestingly, our very own PwC alumnus, Babs Ogundei. Welcome, Babs. We're happy to have you here in our studio. Good morning. Um, thank you, Kenneth. Um, I'm happy to be here. And my name is Kenneth Erikume. I'm a tax partner with PwC, and I'll be your host for today's session. Yeah, so I really know you, but, you know, for the benefit of our listeners, let's start with some background. For those who might not be familiar with you, Mr. Gunde, what is your story and what inspired the creation of CUDA? Um... Yeah, so thank you. Um, I've always worked within financial services um, and, you know, I spent a few years working in PricewaterhouseCoopers and um, that really gave me a lot of insight into um, financial service sector. A lot of my clients um, were banks and um, I think even at, at that time, this was a few years ago, um, it was clear that there was something fundamentally wrong with the way sort of financial services was offered to to the masses. It was it really felt like it was a preservative of um, a niche audience. Even though there's you know we have millions of people in Africa, but um, this product was being served to more sort of HNIs, government, big corporations, um, and. I really felt strongly that there was a different way to offer financial service products to to more people. Um, and, and that's really sort of the fundamentals of CUDA and, and sort of how we conceptualized it um, and kind of just started um, looking at the best way to, to make um, financial services reach as many people as possible. And that's the mission we're on. Um, we're still on that journey right now. Mm. Thank you very much for that, Babs. Um, now, speaking about reaching a large or a wider audience, can you talk to us about your business model? Um, 
we understand that you haven't really deviated from traditional model of banking and earning revenue from um, customer deposits um, or, or making investments using customer deposits um, and you know point of sale and loan fees and all those charges um, but I understand that you know some of these things you're trying to eliminate some of those bank charges um, and this is one of the things you're uh, famously labeled um, as the bank of the free. So can you tell us a bit more about what this model is about and you know how it's disrupting the banking landscape? Yeah, so I think I'll start for context. Um, CUDA is a full-service, uh, digital-only financial service provider. Um, we believe financial services, is it's more than banking, um, but of course there's a huge element of of banking in everything um, finance. Um, so the idea is for us, um, our mission is to provide financial services that is accessible, um, affordable, and quite frankly, should be rewarding as well. So the whole premise of what we do is based around those three key pillars. Um, and, you know, we really looked at sort of Africa um, as a continent, we looked at everybody and, you know, starting with Nigeria, which is, you know, for me, obviously I'm Nigerian and I think it's probably the most important economy in, in, in Africa. Um, you know, access to financial services is not great. Um, but, you know, with the emergence of the mobile phone, it's a lot easier to sort of to serve financial services to people um, wherever they are. Um, and that's how we pr primarily tackle um, accessibility. Um, and in terms of affordability, you know, yeah, you know, we wanted to eliminate fees and, and we're still on a journey to do that. Um, so primarily you can um, interact with, with CUDA and, and use our services without paying anything. Um, there are limits. Um, it's not sort of free into perpetuity, but, you know, for the average person using it, um, it is it is a free offering. Um and the way and that's how we tackle affordability in terms of rewarding we work very hard to make people understand their money better and and we do that via things like you know super smart budgeting um categorization so when you spend on the kuda app it will tell you what you're spending on um maybe it's you know entertainment it's 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 uh utility so it really gives you you know um better perspective of where your money is going um, without having to sort of crunch numbers into Excel and stuff like that. Um, now, it's now for us to sort of be able to communicate all of that to the customer. But more than that, you know, we're not a charity. We are a business. Um, so we need to find ways of monetizing these customers um, in a way that doesn't impact them um, financially in a significant way. Um, so, for example, you know, we we started issuing credit recently um, for an overdraft product. Um, so we earn interest income on that. Um, we earn money um, as a as a platform. As at today, we have over three million customers. Those three million customers do different things on on the CUDA app. So effectively, you know, we have the ability to become some kind of um, um, broker for for other merchants where we're able to sell their products. Um, the easiest one to uh, example to describe is, you know, we basically sell airtime on behalf of, you know, 
um, sort of telcos or whatnot, and we earn fees on that. Um, so it's like a broker fee. So you know, eventually, you can now we see a world where you know we have embedded um, lifestyle into into the Kuda product, where you know people need to spend money. Um, they're going to spend it on something. They might as well spend it directly from the Kuda app. Um, we have we just recently launched gift cards, which enables you to um, shop anywhere in the world. Again, um, you know it's not our product, but we're selling it on behalf of other merchants, and we earn fees on that. So, you know, there's a huge there are huge possibilities um, to to monetize, and then also you know. It, this is not a single country play. It's not a Nigerian play. Um, we are looking to expand into other jurisdictions. And again, that offers different opportunities from sort of a remittance perspective. So the the fact is, if you have traffic and you have people interacting with money in some capacity, there are um, lots of avenues to, to monetize those things. Um, and, and that's what, you know, we that's the journey that we're we're on at the moment yeah you, thank you very much um babs um for that insight on how the model works um so your product manager actually mentioned that um the average cuda user is between 18 and 25 years old um was acquiring this group an intentional move by you um or did that happen you know you know just did it just happen because um, when I look at that demographic, it seems to be like the often neglected um, bit from a financial services perspective. So, you know, can you give us some perspectives about that? Yeah, um, I strongly believe, you know, what we're doing is is a marathon rather than a sprint. So, you know, we've intentionally targeted um, the emerging generation, you know, the future of you know, a society, um, and that's sort of you know the young people, and it's 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 an opportunity to to win trust early. Um, a lot of people say banking is like a marriage, um, like you, it's hard to just you know get out of it, but um, which kind of makes sense to target younger people, you know. So it's like you know before they get married, we're the ones that you know, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, it's it's and, and and if you look at if you look at the population, you know, across Africa, you know, I think seventy percent of of the African population is under the age of thirty. Um, so that's like you know really sort of the heartbeat of you know of, of the whole entire continent. So you know, and and those are the people that we can help shape um, and build the future with. You know, this is a new concept. Um, a lot of older folks are probably. I would say sort of more set in their ways and it's a lot harder to convert and convince um but the the younger generation are typically more adventurous they're digital natives um they're already used to operating um digital financial products um in fact they're used to living their lives digitally in in everything that they do um so it makes a lot of sense to to target that segment and grow with them and you know because that is the future um so at the moment i i think f you know if we build the best digital sort of digital bank um in society um i think in a few years that will become the best bank period um you know not just the best digital bank because it's you know that's where the world is moving towards um so it's 
those that can prepare for it now um, that will take advantage of sort of the next few years. Thanks. Thanks, Babs. Um, just for our listeners, just to give them some interesting bit of discovery I got. I, I went on Snapchat recently and I saw a CUDA filter, uh, which was quite cool with the sun shades and everything. Well, you know, not for people as old as me, but it appeals to younger people, I'm sure. <laughs> um, anyway, so let's talk about, um, you know, first of all, maybe I should say congr- congratulations on closing of your $55 million Series B funding round. I think that's, you know, massive by any stretch of the imagination. Um, we understand that you're planning to use this for, to fund uh, and build new services for Nigeria as well as prepare for a continental expansion. What does this expansion look like for a digital um, financial services business like CUDA? Uh, and what new products and services can we expect? Yeah, um, so the way I look at it is, you know, the heartbeat or sort of the engine room is the technology. Um, So I think a lot of what is happening today, a few years ago, um, was probably not possible. Um, But because of technology, you know, I think companies are able to move a lot faster and move a lot further as well. Um, So, you know, with CUDA, we have our own core banking um, that we've built in-house. And what that means is once we have some kind of regulatory approval in, in any jurisdiction, we can easily plug into that same engine um, and you know leverage on sort of the data that we have um, and pretty much use a sort of very similar um, marketing strategy. It's the same brand. Um, and you know, we'll be able to sort of turn the engines on um, relatively quickly. Um, so that's kind of sort of the approach for, for expansion. Um, in terms of services uh, or products, you know, we're coming up with sort of more sort of alternative financial products. It's really all about, you know, how do we democratize financial services? How do we sort of you know, I think in Africa you have to satchetize things, you know, and I think the the FMCGs have done that very, very well. Um, but it's been a little bit harder to do it within financial services. But you know, the, I think the success of you know, companies like Kuda um, is that ability to really serve financial service products in in small bites, um, so that more people can take advantage of it. Um, so you have things like, you know, I think our, when we started, the main thing was, was transfers. It was a lot harder to sort of transfer small amounts of money just because of the cost of it. It just doesn't make sense. Um, but if you're transferring for free, then, you know, it increases, um, you know, the ability of, you know, of more people to actually participate in, in that particular function. And it's the same ideology we would use for any other products, you know, be it like, you know, investments, you know, you can... You know, imagine a world where you know we're able to serve sort of like fractional share purchases, for example. Um, typically, it's it's a world where you know it's more affluent people would participate in it because of the fees um, and whatnot. So, but if you if you satisfize it, you know you just open it up to to more people. So we're we're going to be doing a lot of products like that. So any kind of financial service product you can think of. Um, 
it, it will be bite-sized and sort of made available to as many people as possible. Um, and then, you know, as I mentioned earlier on, you know, the more people interact with money, the more we understand what they're doing with their money, the more we can sort of start adding, you know, more lifestyle things and, and, and just kind of do more embedded finance and embedded lifestyle um, and, and make it easy for people to just, you know, purchase things um, without necessarily having to look for it all over the shop. Um, and yeah, and, and those are the, you know, so that's the main thing we're doing. It all sounds very simplistic, but, you know, um, but that's the idea is to make it as simple as possible. But there's a lot happening sort of under the bonnet. Um, but, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, trust me, I understand the complexity required to make things come across as simple. Um, it's it's a significant um, um, talent, I think. Um, slow onboarding is one of the pains I've got, even as, um, I mean, this is me discussing as a customer of financial services. Um, the process of filling those forms, um, the verifications, um, and then someone tells you, oh, you didn't put in this information. So it's a pain. Um, what traditional banks have done uh, or financial services institutions is they get an account manager who helps you with the bits and pieces of filling those forms. Um, but I think with emerging technology, um, you know, things can be done in that space. And one of the things you're known for is the seamless and fast onboarding um, onto your platform. Can you, you know, walk us um, through how you've managed to significantly reduce the KYC process while still retaining security and mitigating risks? Yeah, I mean, there are generally three things I think you look at um, when you want to onboard a customer. Um, you know, because you're in a regulated environment, you have to understand sort of the the statutory requirements, you know, um, that you have to go through um, from a KYC perspective. Um, and then you sort of also have to look at um, areas not necessarily covered by regulation, but just sort of that could be risky because um, obviously you don't want um, the wrong people coming into your system. Um, it's more trouble than, you know, than, 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 than you want. And then the third is... Um, the convenience for the customer. You know, you always have to look at everything from the customer's perspective, um, and and really, if you if you do that and just sort of treat the customer as king um, or queen, um, you sort of will be able to build around sort of the complexities and make it easy for the customer. Um, and it's not like you know, Kuda is just sort of is the genius has found this magic but it's it's the way the world has moved you know now you know there are companies that offer sort of um kyc um functionalities um and as a we're we're an api cloud driven um, um organization so the idea is how what's the fastest way to get that information that you need to um sort of tick the KYC box um, and to be able to assess risk, um, but at the same time, be able to offer the customer um, the most seamless of experiences. Um, you can't necessarily do everything by yourself. You have to be able to 
um, rely on on others, and that's where the APIs come in. Um, you know, we're able to sort of tap into um, at least in Nigeria, we're able to tap into uh, sort of uh, government issued um, identity identity sort of uh, activities like you know driver's license, um, international passport, um, the national um, identity management um, card system. So, you know, a lot of work has already been done by somebody else. You know, you just need to tap into that and, and, and get that information. And then we corroborate it to um, whatever the customer has supplied to us. Um, and it's just about, you know, breaking down the whole process to make it comfortable for the customer. You know, um, not too much text, because, again, a lot of times we don't really read these things. You know, you have like thick folders and you have to fill so many things, you know, it's discouraging. So yeah. it's, it's really about, you know, really thinking about the customer, being creative um, around that. Um, and at the end of the day, we're all trying to get the same information. You know, it's just like, what's the shortest way I can get that, that, that piece of information. Um, and that's why I think it also contributes to sort of the fast growth as well. Um, you know, it is, relatively easy to open an account and sort of you know um from from wherever you are you don't have to you know you make it so clear and understandable for for for, for consumers they will interact with it and they will use it um and and yeah that's you know that's pretty much that um but again it is it is one of the biggest sort of areas where we you know we spend a lot of hours um just fine-tuning like continuously it, it never stops um but um but it's a very important part of the the whole process thanks um and with with the way the world is going i think um that obviously makes sense um especially with the digital trend and we see um that um, on like traditional financial services, um, we're not seeing that brick and mortar structure everywhere. Um, and we also expect that um, if people are doing things online, um, it's a no brainer that that would also save us on, on trees, um, you know, cutting down trees and the paper and, and things like that. So being purely digital, um, might have more sustainable operations than traditional banks. Is ESG um, a current focus point for you? Um, are there any green initiatives we can expect to see? So I think you already kind of touched on it. Um, I think CUDA is inherently um, a green compliant organization. Um, the fact that we literally, you know, do things purely online, digitally, we're already cutting out a lot of um, those things that would sort of contribute to um, non-grid initiatives. Um, as you mentioned, you know, like we try not to use paper. Um, we don't have a lot of, in terms of distribution, we don't have um, sort of the brick and mortar, the generators, the, the diesel, um, you know, we don't have, or we, we minimize those things. Um, and even sort of just generally um, the way we work, we, we've started doing quite a lot of remote working. Um, 
not just in Nigeria. We have um, we have teams spread around all over the world. Um, so you can expand workforce um, without sort of contributing to sort of you know more pollution and, and and whatnot. So it's not something that is currently at the forefront of you know of our thinking. But just because the way we are set up, um, we are inherently um, compliant to a large extent. Um, but of course, you know, um, over time, it's an area that um, we need to look at more deeply um, and be more intentional about and see how we can really contribute to sort of making the world um, a, a cleaner, um, more responsible, and sustainable place um, for, for all of us to live in. Thanks. Thanks for, for that. Um, there's, there's one question that has been on my mind when you spoke about um you know your overdrafts um and how you're now you know granting that product to to your customers um but i also understand that the default rate is also very minimal right um you know i often wonder how people are able to achieve that you know considering you know when you're looking at that demographic of people you're trying to bring in, you know, from a financial inclusion perspective. Um, sometimes the data, you know, with that group is not, you know, so readily available. And that's why the traditional financial institutions um, sometimes avoid playing in that space. So what are you, you know, how do you achieve this? And, you know, what's the place of data and analytics in terms of, um, credit rating and analysis for for those who grant grant the overdrafts. Yeah, um, I think first a bit of a caveat. Um, I think um, minimal default rate is is relative. Um, you know, it's relative to obviously like interest you charge and, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's. Um, I think it's a process, right? Um, so we build a relationship with you first. So before you, before Kuda could give you any form of credit, um, you have to be a Kuda customer. Um, Kuda has to understand you, um, understand your behavior, your spending patterns. Um, and over time, you know, we, we've been able to build um, a scorecard, which is still, um, you know, in development. Again, this is one of the things that continues to change and evolve. Um, but generally, it's, you know, finances, it's a relationship thing. You know, um, I'm probably more likely to, you know, as an individual, I'm probably more likely to sort of um, give a friend a loan. But I will give what I think that friend can repay, not necessarily what that friend asks me for. So it's the same sort of mindset that, you know, we apply to to our customers, you know, um, based on our understanding of that customer and which, you know, the primary information we have is their interaction with the Kuda app. Um, you know, if they have a savings product, for example, if they're doing a savings activity, it's how disciplined are they with, the, with, that, with, with that savings activity. If they're disciplined with that, then there's a high probability that they'll be disciplined with sort of repaying um, a credit facility um, so we, we do plot a lot of data points um, I think over time we will be able to get even, even sort of more external data um, we do have access to some but um, you know 
I think what will make the scorecard sort of, you know, even better is having access to even more information. And it is out there. It's just how you sort of pull them in and articulate them in a way that it's easy to understand um, and then be able to use that um, to to grant some form of credit to, to customers. Um, so, yeah, it's not an easy thing to do, but um, it is possible. Um, but again, this is why sort of not everybody does it. Um, but... Um, but I, I strongly believe that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's an area that um, can be key um, for a company like ours um, sort of in, in the future. Um, and so far, so good. You know, we're still early in, in, in that, but um, I think it's, um, it started off um, reasonably well. Yeah. Um, let me just latch on to that comment around um, connections um, and you know access to the information it's out there um, so interconnectivity or interconnectedness is the word of the day essentially um, internet of things um, exchanging data different devices um, those are foundational elements of um, building sustainable um, technology structures um, and this is also important from for open banking, which enables third-party access to financial data in order to give customers more tailored products. Um, how has integration and data exchange played out in CUDA so far? And what emerging tech are you leveraging to harness and maximize the use of data? Yeah, so we have a whole data science team um, and you know, primarily their job is to, you know, gather as much data as possible and, and sort of mine it in a way that, you know, it's it's easy for us to, to use um, the interpreted, um, you know, for the whole organization, not just from a credit perspective, but just, just from a decisioning perspective um, in terms of, you know, what products we can offer. Um, but, you know, honestly, I, I think there's still some way to go in terms of um, sort of working with others and working with sort of third parties um, in, in having a more robust sort of um, data decisioning environment. Um, and I think we'll get there. There is push for open banking. Um, it hasn't been embraced fully, um, but, you know, I, over time, my, my, I have some optimism that um, that will change. Um, but and once that's done, I think it, it, it becomes easier for everybody because, um, as I said, the data is available. It's just, you know, the ease to access it. That is the challenge, um, you know. So th there are some players that are, you know, I guess to, to, to put in really simple terms, willing to share information and to share um, data, obviously, with the customer's um, consent. Um, you know, with, with those partners, you know, it's it's made it um, somewhat, I guess, easier to sort of add to whatever information that, that we have internally. Um, but, you know, you talked about integration. You know, I think technology generally, and especially fintech, um, a lot of it boils down to integrations and sort of you know, speed of integration. Um, 
and choosing sort of the right partners to integrate with because effectively you are sort of relying on on others um for certain certain things um and you know the more we collaborate um as as a sector um i'm talking about finance sector generally i think the better products we're able to serve um to the customers and actually increase um market share generally for everybody um this is not like a one company or one sort of um uh, category um set of companies that would fix um sort of finance and make finance more inclusive or whatnot it, it's a it's really a collective effort of everybody you know, including regulators who i mean i think nigerian regulators have done quite well in, in sort of um making the environment sort of conducive um and it, it is a challenge even for them because obviously the primary focus is to protect consumers um so balancing that is is very difficult um but i think if we if 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 everybody um is more open to working together and being co- um collaborative um i think we'll be able to build much better products for for the end user um and and i'm optimistic that you know that will happen more and more over the years thanks thanks a lot babs for um that insightful um perspective you've provided to us on kuda as well as um fintech generally um so i must say that from pwc's perspective we are proud of you um from time to time in conversations i drop your name and say oh i know bab so this is um, really interesting to have you in our studio but before we let you go um i have a few questions um the first one is speaking of predictions what was the last prediction you got wrong um don't tell me arsenal or something <laughs> <laughs> i i yeah i i tried not to do that um yeah i try not to predict because obviously things are not always within my control um but um yeah i mean i'm not sure i can't really think I, it's not I, i don't make a habit of, of predicting things to be honest um so yeah i'll, I'll probably just pass on that question okay, that's fine that's okay <laughs> um next question i have is what's one view you seem to find very p- few people agree on that could be anything that um few very few people agree uh, on uh, maybe uh, politics (laughs) yeah i mean yeah i I would probably just have to say something like you know i'm a big liverpool supporter and i think they're like definitely the best team in (laughs) sort of like okay, let me just say I don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no one seems to agree with me. But you know, the stats are there. You know, they're like probably the best team in the world at the moment. I think, um, and definitely the most successful English club. But yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't agree with you. Otherwise, my Chelsea fans would um, come knocking on my door after this um, program. So there's something the last person that we interviewed on the podcast asked us to ask the next person we are interviewing and that's intra-african trade how do you see this succeeding with present regional blocks like ECOWAS, SADAC in Africa 
maybe the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement? Um, so I think, you know, there's some things that um, is difficult to block. Um, you can make it difficult, um, but you can't eliminate it. Um, and I think, you know, Africa trade is is one of those. Um, people will trade um, no matter, you know, what obstacles that you put in, 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 in the way. Um, so I think for that singular reason, um, I see eventually um, there will be success. You know, I think more people will come to the table um, because, again, it's going to happen. It is happening already. Um, it will keep happening. Um, so the more and the quicker um, we plug into that um, and sort of the powers that be um, see that and plug into that, um, I think you know, the better it, it will be for all parties because there is a lot to gain. Um, so and I think you know, if you look at sort of financial services um, specifically, um, there are moves to make that more possible. Um, which sort of, I think there's like a, there's currently a switch being built um, to connect, you know, the, the sort of the whole of Africa um, ultimately. Um, so, you know, I think there are moves to to make to facilitate like easier trade. Um, but um, yeah, it, it's going to take a bit of time um, for us to get there. Um, but I believe ultimately. It, there, there will be success. Um, it's just, it's just when, um, and I'm not going to predict that. <laughs> yeah. All right, nice. Um, you could have predicted whether Liverpool would win the Champions League, but um, maybe, maybe the final question for you. Um, so disruption is interrelated, obviously. So we expect that you would ask the next person to be on this podcast a question. Mm -hmm. So what's one perspective you'd like to get from our next? interviewee um okay so i think we should ask ask the next person if they use a digital financial product um and if it's if the answer is no i actually want to know sort of the reason for that okay. um because i think for me that's quite important just because you know in terms of value, it seems like a no-brainer. Um, so, you know, like, go back to Kuda, we have 3 million customers. I'm like, you know, why don't we have 30 million customers already? Because it's, mm -hmm. you know, clearly it's, it's free, it's easy, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, clearly there is still some reservations there somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so my question would be, you know, do they, do, they, do they have a digital financial service product that they use, you know, sort of as a primary um sort of um, product and if it's no why if it's yes um i hope it's kuda <laughs> thank you very much babs um interesting one and definitely would like to have you again so thanks for coming thanks for having me cheers